0: Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast, where we journey into the lives of the many individual creatives that make up the DNA of the music industry. From record executives to street buskers, our objective is to highlight and explore the many facets of this ever-changing ecosystem. We are here to learn, laugh, and illuminate all the building blocks that make our industry what it is. Today we sit down with English poet turned singer-songwriter Emily Mae Winters, who is a fast-rising star in the UK and folk country scene. Her latest record, High Romance, reached number three in the iTunes country charts and was listed as Folk Radio UK's Top 10 Albums of the Year. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? My name is Corey. And my name is Sean. Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast. Today, it is Friday, and we are still in New Orleans. But today, Sean is sick. I am sick. But we don't know why. Yeah, I, I woke up in the middle of the night,
1: and I was like, I think I need to run to the toilet and puke. But I think if I run to the toilet, I'm going to puke. So I just laid there miserable with.
0: This is a great podcast yeah, start. Is,
1: yeah. Sorry about that. It's See, okay. I told you. Bathroom we're, we're
0: humor. Here with our
1: guests and well, I was prepping her beforehand and I was just, I was just trying to, you know, poetically, and that'll come back around to us, poetically paint a picture of we're just hanging out. We're just friends. We're just talking. This could get deep and existential and meaningful, or it could just be toilet humor. And totally gross. And you know what? We opened with toilet humor. So uh, I told you we
0: would. But let's turn this thing around. We're going to
1: turn this ship around.
0: We are here with one of the richest voices in all of Folklands, one of my favorites, somebody we've seen the past few years and is super awesome, Emily Mae Winters. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm very good, thank you. How are you?
0: Pretty well. Sean, not so much. We're just going to let him to sit that. in the corner. Yeah, I'm stay away from you. <laughs> oh,
2: thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Is that why we're sat in a kind of circle yeah. uh, of like with a few meters between yes. us yes. all? Yes, it is.
0: Too it much is. closest <laughs> is not good for you. It's not you, it's me. Yeah, very good. <laughs> True,
2: I get that a lot. You know,
0: <laughs> you know what's really funny about the situation at Folk Alliance is since there's like 4,000 people from about 45, 47 different countries, it's a lot of ecosystems. You could coming get together. any kind of sick here yeah. you mm-hmm, want, mm-hmm. like, you could come here perfectly healthy and leave with things that no one in your country has. Yep. And that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it just really keeps the plague moving f- efficiently. Yeah, you know?
2: that's <laughs> what folk alliance is all about. Yeah,
1: <laughs> bringing ecosystems together, right? <laughs> Biological <laughs>
0: ecosystems. <laughs> Oh, well, man. we want to talk about you. We just want to like dive into your life and what you've been up to. There's a lot, it sounds like. So just for a big view for anyone who might not have heard of you before who or who has and just wants a little more backstory, can you tell us a little bit about you, what you're up to, and just a little bit about just what life is like for Emily?
2: wow what life is like um well so i'm emily may winters i'm a, a singer songwriter i'm living in london uh, this is my second time at folk alliance and um last year i released my second album high romance um it's a country americana album and um yeah i'm kind of touring at the moment and writing and just soaking up the atmosphere of new orleans at the moment and having a great old time
1: you know it's funny. Anytime, uh, and I feel like there's a, specifically a lot of people from the UK that enjoy um, Americana, and and anytime someone from another country is an Americana artist, I find it so you know so strange because I'm like we're Americans, yeah. Americana's from here, but then <laughs> but then you do realize it's just like it's just like um um it's just like becoming a fantastic. Japanese chef mm-hmm. in mm. Los Angeles you know what I mean like like it can go anywhere but it's just it, it always like warps my brain just a little bit to hear someone from another
0: unfortunately know know totally. we were protective of our America.
2: no I yeah. totally get that and also no, it's not that
1: I'm, I love it <laughs> I'm just saying like it's it's such a strange dimension to hear that said
2: well totally and I think it's more just what other people define the music as in terms of the soundscape and the instrumentation I mean I kind of agree with you that it's almost like it's hard to find authenticity saying your country music or your Americana when, you you know, you live in London. I mean, I'm half Irish as well, but it's, um, yeah, it's a kind of tricky thing to balance, actually, because you've got to kind of write about what you know. And, you know, we can't write about dirt trucks and (laughs) that kind of, you know, when you literally live by the Thames, you know, so. (laughs) But I guess it's just that sort of, yeah, the instrumentation that I love. And I, I grew up, you know, listening to Alison Krauss and Emily Lou Harris. And I love country music and Americana. So um, I think there is hopefully a place for British Americana yeah. to, um, to thrive. But, yeah, I agree with you that it is that kind of is a bit strange to yeah. define it as that but then it's not folk so I don't know what it is otherwise right. yeah but maybe we don't need labels <laughs> I'm kind of a not really a genre based artist yeah i try I'm fine with that yeah just sort of move through them because you know
1: I think it's, it's better fun. to blur that boundary anyway. Totally. You're making better art when it's difficult to define. So.
2: Yeah, I hope Good so. Good for you. But, Thank you. <laughs> but sitting
0: in that world of growing up and loving Alison Krauss, I mean, you can never go wrong in, in in that boat. And I think, too, like, in America, we've been doing everything that we can to steal music from the British for, like, the last 60 years. It's true, <laughs> I mean... So I think you should steal everything and just, okay. like, because it, it seems like particularly, like, British artists are really good at taking what Americans do and shining it up and making it better showing and giving a, it back and us saying how we this is it. this is a better edit a better version of what you've done. <laughs> I don't know but, about that. <laughs> but I think the genre trading in the the culture trading especially from America Let's see, England. As we've just been doing this for so long. I mean, you you hear of all these British artists saying, "Oh, all these people from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I really love them." Yeah. And all the artists from Muscle Shoals going, "Ah, oh, what the Beatles are doing—that's so cool!" Like, mm-hmm. there's this there's this exchange that we've been doing for as long as we were able to swap music, and mm. I think we're. It's just it's just one of those things. It's so intriguing to to see life from somebody else's eyes with a different perspective and a. Uh, like like you said, like you're not gonna write about trucks and and you know that the, the backroads of all, and unfortunately, I you know we do part too often. So I appreciate um, the the version of of Americana and country with a whole different set of of words and and lyrics that we're never gonna approach. We you know we talked about this a lot. Um, I th- I think you know Jack, Jack Harris? Mm, yeah. He's one of the ones in particular that we've met um kind of from y'all's circles that he approaches folk music and sometimes Americana and, and sometimes traditional, um, but his vocabulary is so oh, vastly different than anything we would ever approach in Americana or folk or mm. even know how to. And I find that like... Just wildly interesting mm-hmm. and, and, and and really inspiring because like when you're singing the song for us today, there's so many lines in there that I'm like, I've never heard those those lines or those words all come together in that way. I understand what you're saying. And I and I I I know that I felt some of those things before or I, I've heard them and understood them, but to be able to to get a, a new and fresh and rich approach to something that um might you know might be something we've already lived through. I think I think there's something really special about that and something that like to me keeps keeps me intrigued and and not only just music of its in and of itself as a listener, but just as a writer to go like, wow, like I thought I had said all the things that I knew how to say, and I and I had kind of seen the 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 end and the limit of my vocabulary. But like to getting to hang out with you, I think it, it's just like it's really cool to go. Oh, there's just so much more. There's just so much more perspective that I don't have, and and uh, I, I just really enjoy that that exchange. Oh, so one of the
1: things that I love about you is you're one of those musicians and artists that music is not your, your only art form or your only love. It actually started somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. It started with poetry mm-hmm. and, and then it moved to theater yeah. and then it moved, you know, to music and songwriting. So let's dive into that a little bit. You are a self-proclaimed poetry geek. Yeah. What does that mean?
2: Well, I mean, I, so when I was growing up, um, I went to a really remote school in a village in Ireland and it wasn't really that artsy you know we didn't have drama um, as a subject and everyone was really sporty so I used to spend a lot of lunch times in the library I loved English literature so I used to read poetry and write poetry didn't really start playing guitar until I was about 16 or so because I just thought it'd be good to put them to words uh, uh, to music but the other thing I loved was performing, um, and being different characters, I think, when I was younger, cause I was quite like a, uh, lonely, <laughs> lonely mm-hmm. teenager. Sounds so emo, doesn't it? <laughs> you're I was so, just like, you're so lonely. We're very emo, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> company. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really like an artistic kind of school. And so I actually set up, um, a little drama group eventually to teach the younger kids theater and, um. Basically, as I got older, I just loved um, poetry and theatre, and I would kind of kept my songs to myself. So I worked at a poetry museum in London. I worked running um, poetry workshops for young people, like Slam Poetry, and uh, putting. A, I had this event called Playing Poetry, where um, basically poets would come and do sort of an open mic with some featured performers, and then Um, musicians would come and jam along to the poetry just on the spot based on what they were hearing and I would do it with my guitar as well so you know just um, kind of bouncing off the two art forms together Um, but I still now go to a lot of poetry events around London and it's almost like I started off hiding my songs because I thought no one would want to hear them and I love playing all these different characters I've done Shakespeare, trained in musical theatre and then um, I realized I couldn't really dance very well. <laughs> so that was going to be a bit of a, a barrier. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was actually one of my my best friends um, when I was trained in musical theater, he was a fiddle player. And um, we were just having a late night jam and I played one of my songs that kind of, he persuaded me to, and he played uh, along with me and he was crying. And then he said, um, he's still my best friend to this day. He said, you know, you should be doing that, not trying to be a chorus girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we started to, that's how it all kind of began. And I started playing the kind of um, underground folk and roots scene in London. Um, and gradually got more comfortable with not playing characters and just being myself and singing songs that were actually about, you know, my own life or other people that I knew. And um, in my own accent and with my own dance moves. (laughs) Do you have an American accent? (laughs) Um, I have a few. So, uh, my roommate's from LA, actually. So, I've been trying to copy her Cali Valley accent.
0: And she's trying to be doing
2: London. And it's like so funny because I don't know, I just love the Cali Valley accent and I think it's really cool. (laughs)
0: That was good. Thank you. Yeah, we, we can't do anything like that. No tricks here. Okay. Um, I feel like an excited Muppet. Right yeah. <laughs> just jaw drop. But dropped. that's that's pretty common for you to feel like a Muppet. But <laughs> an excited Muppet, that's different. <laughs> just, that's really good. That's really Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you? should. Well, we have two guests. Thank um you. We have two guests here today. <laughs> uh, that would that would, that would be fun. You should just. We'll ask. American you uh, different <laughs> different questions A-Q-X. American you you're, you're Jessica
1: and you're just really glad to be here
0: D- do you like, do, do you practice like to, just like kind of staring at what she says like well, that doesn't make sense but do you just listen in like a lot is that how, how do you even do that
2: I think it's something to do with music in a way. Like I've always loved um, doing accents and imitating people to the point where sometimes like when I come to America or if I go to Spain, I'll accidentally find myself like just imitating slight intonations of whoever it is that's around me. Because I think it's just like your musical ear picks up on that. So I'll be saying things. Do you know what I mean, right? And yeah. I'm like I never say that <laughs> and neither does anyone else in, That's in like London. That's my favorite thing to say. And when I go to Ireland, like halfway through the night, I'll be like, Yeah, sure, you know, like I'll be having a laugh and a joke and whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just I don't do it on purpose. Yeah. I just suddenly start just doing the accent of wherever I am.
0: You're meant to be a spy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You yeah. are totally meant that to be a spy. That would have been
2: so cool. But you can't, you've got to be secret to be a spy. Mm. So you can't be like tweeting and sharing your oh, songs yeah. whilst being an underground spy. So that's, that's what a
1: spy would say. Yeah, I was going to say. Or that's, that's what the a spy best would say. Stuff. In fact,
2: maybe I am. But if I <laughs> was, I wouldn't be able to tell you. We have so no have information to, no. to give you. I'm sorry. No. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but we do know how you feel. Corey and I both grew up in what's kind of considered a non-regional dialect area of the United States Mm. where like, if you're in the city, you kind of sound like the people on the news. Mm -hmm. And if you go 20 minutes in any direction and you get out in the country, people start to get a little bit more like this. And so- (laughs) When we get
0: excited. Like like where they get excited about gas prices. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. See, it went up two cents. Can Diesel. you believe that? I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it'll go down. Diesel went down 30
1: cents. I'm going to throw the, the jugs. Hey, Gerald. Hey, Gerald, can you meet me tomorrow at the lumber yard? I got a whole mess
0: of rocks I need help <laughs> but with. But the
1: thing is, when we when we go you know, back down, because we moved a, a, a little up north, but when we go back down south, and we were with his parents in Arkansas, we just start
0: talking like that. Yeah. There's some weird... We were talking to Mary Gaucher two days ago, and she was saying that she's similar to that in the sense that, and I never sympathetic. heard sympathetic yeah. to to yeah. other people sympathetic dialect. That's what sympathetic dialect. I Ooh. never heard anybody phrase it like she's that. She's a
1: linguistic chameleon.
2: You just bad.
0: start to pick up whatever you're around, and 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 we do it in some regards, but like we're never gonna pick up what what you're throwing down. This is not gonna happen. I, I, we we have tried. We really. What's funny is. We we have enough friends from enough places that have vastly different accents than us, so I think we can do accents better than some of our friends. But our friends are very bad. Yeah, we're
1: still so we feel
0: special. But when we're now now I I feel like a fraud (laughs) after all of your um, your like legendary accents that you're doing right now. I
2: wouldn't go that far. (laughs) You guys are giving me all these compliments. It's great. Well, there
0: there's more to come. So so we'll have to. But you're I'm, like, to like pay...
2: gradually, like, shrinking in this chair, just, like, all the love coming this way. You're
0: going to
1: pay the piper, though, and i tell you why. I'm going to put you on the spot.
2: Oh, God. You can
1: say no. Okay. And if you say no, we'll just cut this out of the podcast. Okay. But would you perform a little bit of poetry for us? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't... just, I just started reading that, and I was like, oh, she's into, like, yeah. I love yeah, orally recited poetry. I love
2: oh, okay, it. well, I can recite some poetry. Yeah, that's what I mean. But it yeah, won't just, be my poetry. That's does fine. It, does it have to? No, be No, it doesn't a Bible? need to be yours. Yeah. Okay, okay. but I need to get up my phone or something okay. to um, yeah. This
1: Thank will you. just be this. This will be the first time in our podcast.
2: Okay. Ooh. Okay. Let me try and think of what poem to do that we've ever,
1: that we've ever had poetry performed. You're
0: you um, probably not okay. a geek, but.
2: This is pretty geeky. This is one of my favorite poems.
0: Sean's uh, Sean's more of a, po- a poem fanatic. I'm a fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm just a Big fan. Big time fan. He's a, a stan of the poetry. Stan? He doesn't know these words.
2: No. Okay, so. It's like a stalker I thought you fan. meant like, will you recite your own poetry? And I was no. like, that has been a long time. <laughs> and um, no, I just I'll probably forget them. You know, yeah. <laughs> I actually. Yeah, I don't. Re- Literally, my poems just stay in my bedside drawer. Hmm. Or they become songs with Put music. Put in a book. You never know. You never know. So, but I love um, I love romantic poetry. Mm-hmm. So on my album High Romance, there's little bits of lyrics that are just taken from romantic poems,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and this is the poem that inspired the album High Romance. Um, It's by John Keats, who is a 19th century romantic British poet. And I used to work at um, Keats House Museum in Hampstead Heath in London. And um, he actually died really young of TB. He trained as a doctor and then um, decided he wanted to be a poet. Gave it all up and did that. So this, this is a sonnet that he wrote called When I Have Fears That I May Cease To Be. Um, he wrote it just before he died, and it's basically him sort of analysing life and what the meaning of it is, and he was a big believer in, you know, the permanence of art and and love, really. So, uh, yeah, When I Have Fears That I May Cease To Be. When I have fears that I may cease to be, before my pen has gleaned my teeming brain, before high-piled books in charactery, Hold like rich garners the full ripened grain. When I behold, upon the night starred face, Huge cloudy symbols of a high romance, And think that I may never live to trace their shadows With the magic hand of chance. And when I feel, fair creature of an hour, That I shall never look upon thee more, Never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love then on the shore of the wide world i stand alone and think till love and fame to nothingness do sink
0: wow what draws you to poems like that
2: I think it's just, you know, he's just in such a he's in a bit of a state, really, isn't he? And he's like just about to die. So it's just the drama of it and the the pain and the kind of I don't know. I think it's um he just sees everything in such a black and white romantic way and everything. He just feels everything so strongly. And I think um that's yeah I just find that really I'm kind of drawn to that for some reason just I feel like a lot of romance has died out in the modern age you know and I I guess if someone you know loved you that deeply and today we'd find it a bit stalkery Mm -hmm. and weird but I don't know I think it's just it's almost a shame historically that that sort of way of feeling about someone or about life is is a little bit mellowed, I guess, because there's so much now. We've got so much to read, so much to watch, so much to see and do. Whereas he just had, you know, his next door neighbor that he fell in love with and the Heath to go and walk around in and think about life and about art and write poems. You know, it's like so focused. And I find it interesting how he like latches on to things and feels them so deeply. Whereas uh, it's so easy to just be, like, pulled in a million directions in, in the modern age. And I like that he made that decision, you know, to leave normality behind and follow, yeah, follow his heart, really, and write poems when he could have easily just, you know, had loads of money and been a doctor and, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was, he never made any money from his poetry while he was alive, but now he's, you know, obviously world renowned. Yeah. And his house it's is a museum. often the case. Mm. And his, well, he actually wasn't here, it's called Keats House Museum, but he lived with his friend, oh. rent free. Yes. It's a good friend. <laughs> so he couldn't actually pay rent.
0: Do you feel like you bring that same emotion of how you feel about, you know, like romance being mellowed out and. I'm curious like where you pull from in your songs because it it feels like when you're talking about your records or talking about the things that you love, there's some um, a patience to, to the way you talk about it that like you were saying is is much like romance it's it's mellowed out, and we're always just hit by this and hit by this, and the world's changing so fast, and what do we do with it and how do we how do we act and how do we you know um, find our place I, I'd be interested to know where the songs come from, not necessarily um, specific to one song or the other, but um, just as like the nucleus or the genesis from where all this comes from with all these different influences and particularly a, a different start than most of us have, how how that all comes from Emily and turns into a, something that we get to hear.
2: So I think it's interesting that you said you think it comes from a place of patience. I think There have been times where I've felt quite rushed to kind of create, you know. So with this album, I tried to not do that and sort of take my time. And definitely the next few years, I'm going to kind of take things a little bit slower and be more natural with things. But in terms of where the songs generally come from, it's really hard to say because they sort of just come from the subconscious. And it's like... I think what I would say is they're almost things that you hide from yourself on a daily basis but then when you sit down with a blank page in front of you how you actually feel escapes and comes out but I sometimes find myself writing songs that about things that I didn't actually know I felt that way if that makes sense so um I'd say it's it's almost like there's like public Emily and then there's like private Emily. And when she picks up her guitar or she sits at the piano, how she's kind of reflected on something internally sort of comes out. And I, I definitely just, I'm a strong emotions led per, uh, person, but I think again, I've tried to sort of like mellow myself out, you know, just to live in the world that we do and then sometimes they just sort the emotions come out with a vengeance yeah and they're just that becomes a song so yeah
0: within public enemy enemy public Mm. emily and private Mm. emily you said um this kind of caught me you said that this some of these things just escape Mm. and you also said that you're trying to mellow and find kind of find your place in the world. Do you ever feel the need to like hush private Emily when it escapes when those, when those those things that you didn't know about yourself or weren't sure you were even feeling come out do you feel more led to go no 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 <laughs> well that's 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 for me not for everyone else or do you feel like no Let's 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 just let it go like because mm. it came out
2: um it depends i think there are definitely songs that i've written that i still you know wouldn't release but i just kind of wrote them because they happened sort of thing but i'm not, sometimes not necessarily think that they're gonna uh be relatable maybe to to other people um but in terms of like silencing the the private slash it sounds like jekyll and hyde yeah. <laughs> it's not um i think it's just yeah, it, it, these are like rare occasions. And I'm quite sad about that, really, because I love songwriting. I feel like it's the thing that's inherently a part of my being. And I feel like I don't do it enough, really. But I think maybe just because it is kind of hard to go there at times. So you don't want to be doing that all the time. Otherwise, I would be a different outward person i guess so in terms of the silencing that definitely happens a lot just because you know of life and the things you're doing and so but then maybe it is kind of like when you bottle things up for so long what comes out is fully you know
0: Full power. fully fledged yeah. i don't
2: know like a fine wine yeah. that's been <laughs> yeah. aging um brewing purging. up but I, it's honestly not a conscious thing it is just one day I'm like, I need to sit at a piano, and then this something happens, um, but I didn't know that I was like hushing it,
0: yeah,
1: yeah,
2: so yeah, um, and to be honest, never really thought about that until just now <laughs> when you asked me that question that was a good question, so yeah well yeah.
0: i I one of the really fun things about at least this week and and I would say we're just we've just been very fortunate um, to continue to keep running into songwriters who you don't only have the feeling of, well, that's a great song. Cool. But, you know, Sean and I talked about this often, but we, we often find ourselves in podcasts sitting here weeping because as, as two people who are also songwriters who just happen to also like having a business, um, there's such a connection with people, um, when you feel like you there's a there's a parallel strand that that kind of resonates together and um, you know and, I, and, and and like when I hear your words and I, you're playing your song or even just sound checking and I might be completely removed from all of the things that are being exposed or revealed or i um, shown in in that song, but so much of the truth of that moment feeling the need to exhale out of my soul a little bit and uh, that synergy just is such a just this intoxicating feeling that you're just like so relieved that other people have that parallel strand and that other people are just letting their soul exhale a little bit and and so you know it, it's just it's really interesting to me and and so it's such a rewarding and encouraging thing to hear people talk about their songs and to hear people play their songs from the fullness of who they are, and 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 for us just getting like the great privilege to just be in this enclosed space and just kind of just seeing the esoteric sparkle just kind of bounce around. It's just a really uh, fun experience, but it's it's just such a revealing thing too because so much of in this space in this quiet room and with you. Um, you know, sitting here alone with our whole team. Um, so much of you and so much of your song and so much of your personality comes out in such a small period of time. And I just find it so, uh, just so exciting and so cool to hear you kind of talk about the songs. And But I really like, um, I'd also love to know from your perspective, because uh, I feel like, you know, talking about parallels, um, our country is kind of going all... Like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, in the same ten minute news story that I see on TV, it seems like sometimes your country's right now going a little crazy. Mm. and And since we are we have these little parallels, I, i'm I'm curious how life is uh, uh, for you right now as a songwriter, as a, as a poet, as as someone who feels mm. deeply, watching just the stirring of 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 your country and and how that's affecting you, uh, just as an artist or mm. as a as a person or as a woman or an activist or anything anything that that, that might stir in you, because I know for us, you know, it is it's hard to stare at the world as a songwriter and go like, I have an answer for this. I want to help, but I don't know. I don't know if I can help everybody, you know. So I'm just curious your perspective of just uh, how your world's turning.
2: Yeah, um, that's really interesting. Um, Well, I'll start by saying that I think over the last few years, I think for all artists and songwriters and musicians, it's getting more and more difficult to, to do that at all, just because of the economy in, you know, England and around the world but also so it's I I love the Celts you know um, I'm half Irish and they had um, these people around the Druids and the Kings called the Oshdana who were almost seen as like magical because they could foresee the future through song through poetry and they were at the top of society and then we fast forward to 2020 And, you know, in England and I think in America, the artists, musicians, poets, painters, almost like at the bottom of society. And um, it's really easy for them to sort of get left behind a little bit. And also, I think from my perspective as well, having to make choices that you don't necessarily want to make, but you have to make to fit in with um, what society expects of you and I think I'm definitely guilty of doing that however I think I've managed to do it in a way that's like staying true to myself just through you know um doing things that I love that I can do as well as songwriting and playing um but I think yeah there's a lot of sort of expectations to have done things by a certain age you know and um that that's has it's its cha- has its challenges I mean a poison yeah most of the, time. the song that I sang um one of these days it's about you know I have a great mom who is really moral really inspired me raised me on great music and a lot of my friends I'm I'm 29 are all starting to have kids and getting married and I'm sort of like still figuring out like what I'm doing and how I'm gonna pay my rent and you know so that that, that song is kind of like, trying to like leave something behind to whether or not I have a, a child one day that leaving behind a message of hope for younger generations um I teach actually teach drama and um just trying to sort of pass on hope because it is a pretty negative environment in the UK at the moment with there's um there's a real divide between people um and as you know there's all uh, the the green movement people are getting very angry with one another and from what i see there isn't really much hope being fed through there's a lot of um, folk music and activism happening through song um and some of it is you know angry very angry because people are angry about apathy and um racism and all these problems that are affecting our country at the moment and and then there's also the other side of it and I mean I it's not that I stay out of it it's just that my music isn't really in that vein you know and um I just try and be quite sort of zen about it all and try and be in your own little network and your own community of the people that you influence every day I try and be moral to them and sort of spread hope kindness and love that that way rather than through you know a song which is criticizing an issue or people because i know that you know other people might not agree with what i have to say and i'm not um you know in politics and Yeah, but it is it is a challenging environment for songwriters and definitely in London. You know, it's just so saturated with ideas and um, people being competitive, you know, and um, I just sort of try and stay away from all of that, to be honest, yeah. and just sort of like carve my own path.
1: Yeah, I highly empathize with that. <laughs> um, I, think, I think right now, I don't want to first say this, there's a lot of things to be activist about. Mm. And I think there's a lot of things that need that. Yeah. But I don't think everyone needs to be an activist. Yeah. I think what you just described, and I've heard someone I heard someone recently say this, and it did. It gave me that same, like, just relief of zen. It was like, it was talking about personal responsibility. Mm. So, like, rather than just legislating on this mass scale, trying to legislate out racism and legislate out... You know, economic problems and ecological problems. Mm -hmm. Instead, if each of us individually, Mm -hmm. personal responsibility, showed peace and love Mm -hmm. and restraint and care, every one of us,
0: Mm.
1: it would fix itself without, (laughs) you know, like if we would focus on those that we can actually have a real impact you know, that, that like, that like 20 foot radius, Mm. um, kind of rule. And and to me, that's, that's kind of what I hear Mm. when you're talking about that is, yeah, I can, I can be quote unquote an activist within my realm of capability rather than Mm. shouting and yelling and screaming. Yeah. You know what I mean? I reiterate not that there aren't things Mm. that need to be Shouted about. Shouted about. Yeah, I exactly. think
2: it's you know, and I think I admire some people who are who are doing that. And um but yeah, I think it's also sort of like I feel that I wouldn't deem to do that because I'm not quite at that level yeah. where I would have that much influence. Right. And what I have to say isn't unique enough from you know to to do that but yeah I've been doing this um for January I did this 21 day meditation challenge because I love yoga and it's very much about sort of like just The ripple effect of you in your day and who you meet and who you speak to. And self responsibility. Self responsibility. I love that kind of approach. And I think it's easy as well to, even if you are doing activism, it's easy to feel like you're not doing enough or you're not recycling enough or you're not, um, you know, you haven't got the right car or you haven't, you're not doing enough wearing the right clothes because they're not made from here. And, people start to feel guilty and we should feel guilty, you know, overall for what the state the planet is in and in some, in lots of regards, but just, you know, negativity is infectious. It's much more infectious than positivity in a way. So I think it's really important to be positive overall on a daily basis. So that's what I try to do. Um, cause I think that's, it's just a, a better way to live for me personally yeah.
0: good for you and i'm a, I'm a high believer too that that so much of the music that doesn't feel like necessarily activism music or something that's uh, pertaining to some situation that we're trying to dig ourselves out of I, I feel like it is the artists who are on uh, are on a different place of of emotion or or maybe ignoring it altogether and taking you to a different place that offer the chance of being the aloe to a burn. Right. To decompress a little bit. Because I feel like, I feel like we can be, um, motivated by activism Mm. and and, and art forms in that sense. But Mm. I feel like we can also be inspired to just want to exist and to want to love and to want to find peace and to want to feel, um, it's kind
1: of the difference between having the news on all the time with the volume up and sometimes just turning it off and listening to the world outside. Yeah, well,
0: And I think sometimes it's the difference too between uh, maybe endlessly scrolling through Instagram right. to yeah. to be informed or inspired and rather maybe sitting with your friends over breakfast and coffee and, and hearing about what life is really like and what mm. those challenges for them really are and knowing that... Um, that you can help them and yeah. their struggles and they can help you. And, and, and I, but I feel like, um, songwriters, I know a lot of us, we want to do something yeah, for, to help the world. For the world. yeah. Mm. And, and I think, you know, we are talking about guilt a little bit too. Um, we feel guilty when we don't step in when we feel our leaders are maybe taking us down the wrong road or we don't step in when, mm-hmm. um, injustices are happening but sometimes I feel like it's okay to um carry the torch of um escape or carry the torch of um nurturing uh like us and and reminding ourselves of like that love does exist that hope does exist that that um you know I can I can sometimes get farther in my mental health, by just laying in the grass, yeah, I'm and staring on the positive. <laughs> and, yeah. into the clouds and feeling the sun, than I can. Um, trying to seek out a specific way in which I can help. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a balance that we're all trying to find, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely don't want to negate or or not um, emphasize how much sometimes those songwriters who who take us just to a special warm place are also I feel like needed. Uh, it,
1: it is a form of activism in a way.
0: Yeah, and maybe maybe in such a different sense, but it's obviously one that's needed. One thing I want to talk about, or lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> um, I was about to do the same thing, but go ahead. <laughs> so I find I find your style super fun, and you all, like all your your photo shoots and all like you that i i feel like maybe your characters come out a little bit or the the play on like i'm going to to be who i want and create who i want to be um i'd love to know like where your like style influence comes from or if it's just like <laughs> just just winging it i i i, I it's, it's fun i i this is a fun fact about me but i worked at a women's retail for a long time mm-hmm. and so i essentially for like two or three years just helped women pick out clothes mm-hmm. every day. And so I I, <laughs> I find it wildly interesting and, and you have such a cool style, so I'd oh, love to know where that comes from.
2: Thank you. Again, with the compliments. I apologize. Oh, rolling on in. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So th- my last three, I did an EP and then two albums. There's a girl called Ellie Lucas. She's an amazing photographer in the UK. She's super creative. And I basically go to her with these crazy ideas and she says oh, we can't do that, but we can do this, <laughs> yeah. this kind of way. So, like, um, the first album, I said I kind of wanted to be in a lake, like just lying in a lake, sort of like Ophelia in Hamlet, but from above, because um, it was called Siren Serenade. Yeah, so yeah. It was a, And she said, you know, we can't do that, but um, I can get a paddling pool and put it in my garden. And then she... In, this was in December I don't know why all my album first shoots have been in winter but they have and so she just threw loads of glitter in and did that and then the the high romance one I think what to be honest I sort of like see the um the concept of the cover when I'm coming up with the whole concept of what the album's going to be about so the tightrope walking and the um yeah and then I just sort of think, yeah like what would look good in that setting that environment of that sort of vision mm-hmm. what sort of dress yeah. would one wear yeah. on a tightrope <laughs> on the expression. edge on the edge of a cliff in Derbyshire I never actually had you know? that thought <laughs> yeah so um but yeah in general I, t- I, I like um quite sort of Bohemian, sort of flowing, romantic. If if it was up to me, I'd wear like nineteenth-century dresses all the time. I don't. I'm very rarely seen in jeans. Yeah. (laughs) So when when I was at school, we used to have like non-uniform days. They were actually called casual days in Ireland. And um, one of my memories from school is everyone on casual day turning up in, like, jogging bottoms and, like, hoodies. And I went in with, like, rainbow trousers. Like, I was really hippie. Yeah. And, like, loads of jewels. And, yeah. and this girl said to me, you know, Emily, it's casual day. <laughs> and I just said, I don't do casual. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of my... Motto throughout life You know Never knowingly be underdressed
0: (laughs) Is that the name of your uh, Your next theatre production I don't do casual
2: (laughs) Well it applies to everything It's like this whole Casual dating Casual this I'm like no Why would anything be casual It's either like You do it And you do it well Or not interested (laughs) I
1: love that Yeah (laughs) That's
2: great There's no casual I'm like (laughs) I'm going to give 100% to this or, yeah. or not, not, wanna, not at all.
1: I want to go on a date with you, but not that bad. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that's, that's good. Really that's solid. <laughs> that's
0: really We're
1: fun. getting some good life advice. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. So you mentioned this a little bit, and I'd like to, I'd like to kind of bring it back to your, to your last record, um, High Romance. Uh, Matt Ingram. Yeah. Five days mm-hmm. recorded live. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that like th- first of all just overall experience highs lows fun parts challenge parts mm-hmm. interactions with matt what you felt like he brought but also with the record being done live mm. was that your decision your choice his decision his choice was that like we could just only get the studio for five days i mean mm-hmm. what what and mm-hmm. and how do you feel like that played into the creative process and how the record was was formed
2: Yeah so it was really really inspiring in lots of ways and really challenging in some other ways because the first album was very much like multi-tracked take it at your own leisure I had a lot of input into the arrangements and things Um, whereas this was like I kind of sought out Matt because I'd heard a few albums that he'd produced and they, they just sounded really put well put together and um he's worked with Florence and the Machine, Laura Marling and Lewis and Lee, which was the album. I really liked how that was arranged. So I kind of like had some pre-production sessions with him and it became clear that it was like he was very much going to be inputting a lot of like ideas about this song could kind of go in this direction. Even to the point of like, I don't think that should be a guitar track. This should be a piano track or you need to cut this Verse and so he was really kind of getting involved in the actual construction of the songs, which was really new to me. And I I thought that I'd be really you know uh, resistant to that, but I actually loved it, and it really made me think about like in the future doing some co-writing and things like that because his ideas were really good, you know, and it actually improved or changed some of the songs. And then um, basically the the live recording was because I really wanted to have. A couple of my friends that are my band, basically musicians that I've worked with for the last few years, Ben Walker on guitar and John Parker on double bass and Matt was going to play the drums. I really wanted to have them on the album because they had been part of the live sound of the tour, the touring element for the last few years. And to do that, it would be best to do that live. He had said... And also just money, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's a sort yeah. of, the, their studio, um, Urchin Studios is really, really beautiful, but it's really, really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and i um, I'm an independent artist. So he just said, you know, this is going to be the best way, but it's going to be really hard on you. And he was honest about that. Like there's no, you can do this five times, you know, you kind of, basically we do three takes for every song and do, take the best one. And so you had to be really well rehearsed and you had to be on it and you couldn't like get really nervous or overthink it. Because when I've done recordings before, it's almost like, you know, get that line right or do this bit again. Or you really kind of the performance element can give you a bit of like anxiety. So I kind of had to just basically really get into my head a bit for this process and um, just think of it like a gig. Yeah. Basically, and just sort of perform with no mistakes. Like there's no going back for every take. So that was that was good. And then he, you know, some of the arrangements were changed by him and stuff. And some of them ended up being really, really different. But he very much wanted to have a kind of, because it was an Americana-led album, but he didn't want it to be a kind of play-by-numbers country album. So he was like, we're not having any banjo. We're not having any steel for certain songs. So yeah, I mean he he added a lot of creative color to the the soundscape, definitely, and it was really amazing to work with them. And yeah, I really enjoyed it overall. Although it was it was different, it was really um, a new a new way to work.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So on the backside of that album coming out um, fairly recently. Are you touring with a band when you're doing these?
2: So I did tour, yeah. So all of last year, I did um, I did a headline tour with the with the boys, and um, then played quite a few great festivals over the summer black deer festival cambridge folk festival and we had like last year was was amazing it was really really good It was full-on um, and this year i'm actually going to do um more of a kind of intimate tour in april where i'm going out with a really talented piano player called jacob stoney and it's going to be the high romance album but more stripped back so guitar and piano and harmonies Um, just to kind of do something different and, you know, not every venue wants the kind of full band sound and, um, yeah, so that's going to be this year, a little bit of a kind of just changing it up whilst writing.
0: Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, I know we got to wrap it up here and we got, we all got really busy days and we want to tire your voice out too much before your (laughs) showcases, but for anybody listening to this who wants to check you out online and kind of keep up with you, how can they do that?
2: um well i have a mailing list um so if you go to emily may winters and may is m-a-e winters.com you can sign up to the mailing list and i actually send out um like a poem every month with the mailing list and it's got all my gigs on there and i'm on instagram facebook twitter it's just at emily may winters so it'd be lovely to connect yeah Awesome. And um, can I just say as well, thank you to you guys, because this is honestly one of the nicest interviews or chats <laughs> I've ever had. And um, you're just really lovely people.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're super stoked that you are here. Yeah. Um, this is a really good moment within some really stressful days. <laughs> so we appreciate feels it. It feels very
2: calm with the, like, candle lit. and <laughs> I love sitting in a circle. It feels very like we're in a drama lesson. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Just feel Uh, the moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. So thank you
0: very much. Well, this has been the Shadowscape Podcast. My name is Corey. My name is Sean. That's Emily. And we'll see you later. If you enjoyed today's podcast,
1: please help spread the word about these amazing art makers and the continual conversation that's happening here at Shadowscape. Tell someone about it. In person, online, whatever. And of course, join the family by pressing the subscribe button. This podcast was created by Shadowscape Records at our studio in the American Ice Co. Building in the heart of beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. For more information, please find us online at shadowscaperécords.com or connect with us at facebook.com slash shadowscaperécords, Instagram at shadowscaperécords, and Twitter at shadowscapejams. Thanks
0: for listening.